Um, all right, we are wrapping up a summer series today. Uh, we've been all summer, it's been really awesome, really exciting, uh, been talking about how Christians grow spiritually. We've been uh, looking at how we, uh, with a new life, come and really present ourselves relationally to God. And we say to him, have my heart, change me. I want to enjoy you more. I want to get more of you. I want you to, I want you to change how I view ultimate reality. I just, I need more joy in God than anything else. And we've, we've been talking about the way Christians have done that over the centuries is through engaging in habits called the spiritual disciplines. And so we have, we have hit almost many of them, but like prayer, study, silence, solitude, um, all of them. So you can go back and look at that. But today we're wrapping it all up uh, with our last one, uh, which is going to kick us off into a three-week series on this topic, really, uh, the church. But uh, we're, uh, we're going to look at the spiritual discipline of fellowship. Okay, fellowship. This is where you intentionally and regularly engage yourself uh, with the new life community, other Christians to build them up, to, to do life together. We're gonna talk about the whole thing in this sermon, so I'm not gonna give it away. But we're talking about this spiritual discipline of getting together, meeting together, be in God's family, be in the church. That's where we're going. Um, and I don't know about you, but fellowship has, uh, I don't know what you think about when you think of the word fellowship, but I grew up uh, in, in like a Baptist church and it was always used, this word fellowship, it was kind of cheesy. I don't know if you guys remember this. You know, like you're, we would be like over in the Sunday school corner and the Sunday school teacher would walk by and be like, oh, you guys are fellowshipping? Yes, that's what we're doing. We are fellowshipping. Um, you know, and, or you probably have had like maybe like a strange cult like feeling, you know, like someone comes to the door, like welcome to the fellowship. You're like, please shut that door. Let's go grab the kids. They're in fellowship, whatever that is. Um, so it might be a weird word for you, but it's a biblical word and it's an exciting word. And as we said, uh, the Holy Spirit loves to rush in and usher in his, his power through these disciplines. And so uh, we need this more than ever today. I was gonna do this whole intro on, on the epidemic of loneliness, but I think we know it. Like we... We know how lonely our culture is, how lonely it can even be in the church. We've all had times where no one has said hi to us. Maybe you're here and that's happened here where you've come in and, and people have already got their little communities and, and it's been tough. I was reading one article uh, that said, it was a high ranking physician said, loneliness quote, causes an insidious type of stress that leads to chronic inflammation and an increased risk of heart disease arthritis and diabetes. Loneliness has the same effect on mortality as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. We need it. And, and so we need, we need a glimpse. I wanna, I wanna get a biblical glimpse of not just community, but what the Bible describes as true Christian fellowship. And so we're gonna unravel uh, this, this topic, this discipline. We're gonna ask three questions of this of this word fellowship. We're gonna ask, uh, what is it? What is true Christian fellowship? Uh, number two, who's it with? Uh, that's really important. Who's it with? How does, you know, where, where does that, what does that look like in the Bible? Um, and then how do we experience more of it? We want, we want it. So we're gonna get a glimpse of it today. We're gonna get tastes of it today. We're gonna, maybe some of you will recall times where it was alive in you and we wanted to just by the Holy Spirit's power, just spark it up 
Uh, and then we're going into a three-week series called The Next 20, where we're gonna talk about perseverance and longevity and leadership in the life of the local church and our mission and, and just really care about us and entering into that. Uh, and then we're gonna do a full series all the way to Christmas in the book of First John called This Is Love. So we're gonna unpack the entire book of First John. So excited? You look excited. Okay, let me pray. And then we'll start fellowshipping. Uh, Father, I thank you that you are, you're real. Like you exist. Um, we breathe because you uh, give us the grace and the oxygen. You hold all things together as we read. Jesus in the, in the palm of your hands, all things in you hold together. And we, we're here because you are, and we're here because we are not spiritually fully fulfilled and we're so hungry, and that's, that's a gift this morning, to be hungry, to go, Lord, please come here. Please give me more of you. Please give me more life according to your word. Your word is pure. It is righteous. It is enlightening to the soul. Uh, Lord, I, just, I pray to give us life according to it. I pray that, that the best part of this sermon would be just reading the Bible. I, just, I pray you would work through that. And, and I pray for that, <clears throat> that struggle we all have. Uh, it, we, we, just, we all have strange, uh, hard struggles at times with fellowship. It's hard. I mean, most of the New Testament letters are written to the churches who are struggling with this fellowship. And yet it's so sweet. I, I pray you'd give us a sweet glimpse and, and, and call us to to sacrifice and call us to make this a discipline and what that means and what we need to say no to, to say yes to this and just guide all that, I pray. Holy Spirit, thank you for this church and this family. Uh, teach us together in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So what is it? What is true Christian fellowship? I wanna uh, anchor into two passages this morning. My job is just to show you everything in the Bible. So we're gonna go into two passages and I wanna show you true Christian fellowship. Uh, and we'll unpack it and then form a small definition and then we'll get into who is it with and, and how we experience it. But first, so what is it? First passage, open your Bibles, please, to Acts chapter two. So Acts chapter two, uh, as you're turning there, what you need to know is this is a historical document. This was uh, written by an eyewitness account, one of the disciples, his name's Luke. And he has written literally the explosion of the early church. I mean, just so you know, before this sermon that Peter preaches where 3,000 believed, there's about 120 uh, kind of adherence to the Christian belief and what Jesus said he was. But after Peter preaches a sermon, 3,000 believe. And it wasn't because like it was the greatest sermon. You can read his sermon. It was because it was accompanied by incredible spiritual power where after Jesus accomplished in his death and resurrection, salvation and new life with God, the Holy Spirit applies it and breathes it in where, where Jesus uses the words born again. So a Christian has, is someone who has new life. They're, they're born again. Hey, Jason. Um, it's someone who's like just alive. Paul says made alive. Like, like this is a person who's come into a new community. They've received Jesus' forgiveness and everything's changed. Like, like how they see their money's changed, how they see death change. Jesus conquered it. Jesus is just centralizing in every area. They're crazy. So now we're, now we're gonna look at them. 
Okay, so that just happened. And now we're looking at them. Acts 2, let's pick it up in 42. And they, so we're looking at the early church, and they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And here's our word, the fellowship. Just this word, just, you know, in Greek, just means commonality, partnership. Um, but, but let's see what all this means. So they devoted themselves. Notice that word, by the way, because we're talking about discipline, spiritual discipline, habit. It, they, they devoted. It's an interesting word. I, I wanted to look it up right away when I looked at it. it. It's a word that means a quality of being. It's not just what they did. It's who they were. They, they were devoted living beings who, who, made a, who, who didn't, weren't told to go devote yourselves. They just did. It was, that's what new life did. It, it brought devotion to one another, um, to the fellowship. Keep going though. Uh, and they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. Notice these kinds of activities to the breaking of bread and the prayers and awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Okay, just stop there. These, just notice the energy here. These people couldn't get enough of each other. Like they were just always coming together. They were coming together every day. It's his day by day, right? They were hungry for each other. You know, they couldn't be kept apart. They were rejoicing in each other. They were glad, they had, you had, they had glad hearts. They received food with glad and generous hearts. Whenever they got together, there was just this great awe. There was the presence of God amongst them, right? They were just, they were doing everything. They were opening their Bibles. They were, hey, hey, what do you guys want to do after church? Let's go back to your house and then we can pray and maybe go on Craigslist and sell some stuff for, you know, Marianne or something. We, that they were just, they couldn't get enough of each other. They were just this beautiful, can't wait to celebrate Christ's death again for you. And, and it, it was just this, this love, this knitness, this new life, it's a partnership. There was commonality. There were all these activities that were just centered on Jesus and his truth and his purposes. And, and here, here's just my main point. They were together. They were together. That's what happens. That's fellowship. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't say that they got together. It says they were together. They, they were each other. Do you see that? They were each other. They, they entered into a whole new mode of existence. When, when someone becomes a Christian, there's a, there's a new, you can't get away from it. So if you're a Christian, you're, you can't get out of this, Lloyd. You can't get out of this. You, this is in you. you. You have what the Bible calls this new spiritual family DNA. Um, it, right away, the early church called each other brothers and sisters, the household of God. Let me give you another verse. First Timothy 3 says, if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God. You're just, you're new family. So, so here's how we need to just see fellowship in this new reality. It's not something we do. It's who we are. They were together. Uh, if you're a Christian, here's what this means. You're not autonomous. 
You're, you're in your new life, a part of a new community on an adventure for Christ, in Christ, with each other, uh, to the point that most of Paul's letters, he's going to say something like, you have been gifted by the Holy Spirit with gifts for the common good. So he's gonna say, like, if you can imagine yourself, you're always receiving this grace gift. And if you're not giving it out, you're, met, you're not living how you were meant to live, which is finally and fully alive. You're a steward of grace. First Corinthians 12, Paul says, it'll be on the screen, to each. And so each Christian is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. These are spiritual gifts gifts that, that will get others into more of growth and godliness, more intimacy with Jesus, uh, will, will encourage and build up at the common good. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, he was, wrote a ton on community in World War, uh, I think, yeah, two, and um, he was killed under Hitler. He was a great German pastor. He wrote this, Christian brotherhood is not an ideal which we must realize. It is rather a reality created by God in Christ in which we participate. So I think you're with me. I'm saying the same thing in many different ways, but, but this needs to sink in. Uh, this discipline is, is, if you're a Christian, it's who you are. You're not meant to go this alone. You are by God's design, a part of a body with many parts for one another. And so my question is, are you devoted? Are you devoted? It's a sign of your new life. And so, especially since a lot of us, we live in such a, uh, you know, Western, you, you do you. you, you know, your family's more important. Make sure your, your guys got everything before you move out into the community or the church. The church might be third after another sport. We, we, whatever that is, the, the air we breathe, um, we have to admit, I will admit, that this is not very evident all the time in my life. So we need to examine. That's what Sundays do. The word is preached and we examine. And, and so if a sign like this is not very evident in our own lives, if it's not there at all, then you may not be a Christian. But if, it's, but if it was once there and maybe it's gotten weaker and you've seen a lot of distractions, some for good reasons, some for... Just God's been kind of in, pushed away into the margins a little bit more and it might be very weak. You need to pray this morning because this is the opportunity to say, Lord, I needed to be here today. Like I needed to hear this sermon and Holy Spirit, will you, I need more of your new life. I need more of your new life. It's the beginning of September and I just, more than anything else, may I prioritize, this is a sign of new life and I need to have it stirred up in me. Will you do that? Will you just tell them that? Will you pray that right now? You can pray that where you are. Um, but, but they were together. They were together. They were devoted. They, they brought God in the center. They loved God together. They brought him out together. They wanted to follow him. They wanted to learn. Uh, so let me take you to another passage. So, so that's just the first part of fellowship. It's this, we're together. Let's get that foundation. But now turn with me, please, to Hebrews uh, 10. We're gonna look at two passages in Hebrews. Again, my job is to teach the Bible. So Hebrews 10, it'll be on the screen as well. Notice the discipline word. He says this, and let us consider. That means uh, be, give careful thought. So let 
this is, this is a letter for the church. So you're in the church. So now you're thinking, I gotta give careful thought to what, God? Um, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, what's so beautiful about this passage is, is not the call to keep meeting together and, and keep coming on Sundays and serving one another and, and being consistent in community groups and gathering in your homes and going, I wanna be known, but no, 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 no. What's, in, what's really beautiful about this passage is it is instructing us to when you get together, look beyond your own nose. It's saying you, when you get together, it's not about you. When you get together, you're looking at how others can be stirred up to the things of God, to good works. Like you're so not about you when you get together that you are, you are so for another, you are in proximity to that person. This passage is saying, when you, when you get together, consider, get close. I mean, how are you gonna know how to, how to, how to stir up Gordon to love and good works if you don't know him? You know, like it, it, this is a passage saying they were together. Don't, don't let people drift from this fellow fellowship. You have, to go, you have to go deep. You have to love past yourself to Jesus in them. Um, here's another aspect, okay, uh, Hebrews 3. I'll show you another one. Hebrews 3, uh, 12 to 13. Now notice again, we're talking about discipline. So look for the, uh, the action, the habit. He says, take care. This is habit talk. And this is what we do. So take care, family. See, see that word, brothers. Take care, brothers. Lest there be in any of you, use plural. So he's writing to the church. Lest there be in any of you an evil and unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God that just demonstrate you're not, you don't have true saving new life. Just, just fight for it. There's a perseverance in the Bible. Um, how though? He says, exhort one another every day. Notice this, this day-to-day life. They were together every day. As long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Now, I want you to notice this passage is not saying to the drifter. It's not speaking to the drifting guy or girl who, it's not saying to you, hey, look, I know this sin might just feel good right now, or you just, you just think you need it. It's not saying this will blind you. This, this, this could and may show that you don't really love the Lord. Or you, this will take you to hell. It's not saying to that. What this passage is, is commanding is to the others in the community. It's saying you make sure you have an awareness of him or her. You take care lest there be. This is the kind of love, this is saying have regular life where you're able to quickly spot the drift or the war in her. You know, when, you, when you're with someone so intimately, you just know something's off for them spiritually, you just tell it. It's because why? Because you have fellowship. This is fellowship. Do you have someone like this? Are you the kind of person who invites people in? 
Proverbs 27, six says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. True fellowship and friendship, they're, they're the people who will tell you what you need to hear. And, and let me say, if you're too afraid to say what needs to be said, you're, you're really an enemy of your friend's soul. I, I have found times in my life where I will have to take someone's sin more serious for them in front of them. Like I remember one time in particular, I was out at this pub with this guy and he was telling me about these, these issues he was having where he was just on the borderline of adultery. And I like, I literally threw my glass down and I was like, no, like I, he was just like, what? And I, but I remember just feeling an agony for him that he didn't taste until I felt it. It's kind of like the doctor who puts his hand on your knee and that makes you weep and tells you why you have to change your lifestyle before that cancer kills you or what you have to do. We need this so many times in James Bonney's life without even seeing it. I will turn God into an idol. And what I mean by that is I will use God in my life to give me the desired life I really want. I, won't, I don't see that coming until someone close enough to me goes, hey, this has, what happened there? And you go like, I don't know, what? And it, it's, it's just strange. We need one another. We need one another. There's a gift in fellowship. And so there's lots of different places, but let me just summarize it. Fellowship is placing ourselves in contact with those who have new life to pursue Christ in all things for others' good, looking past yourself. Again, the whole New Testament points to what this fellowship is, but it's being knit together in Christ, in love. Okay, but there's more. There's more I wanna share. It's only 1040 and I got 20 minutes, so. Number two, who's it with? I want, I want us to get really um, amazed by fellowship's origin. And that we have it is breathtaking. So um, I'm gonna take us to a, to think about before the beginning or before there was a beginning. So before God created the heavens and the earth, the Bible is crystal clear that God existed in Trinity. I mean, from Genesis 1.1, in the beginning was God. And you have Genesis 1.6, let us make man in our image to John 1.1. In the beginning was the word and the word is with God and the word was God, speaking only clearly of Jesus in context. To many passages in Acts where the Holy Spirit speaks and at one point Ananias lies to the Holy Spirit and they said, you didn't lie to man, but God. You see the Godhead of God existing in this way, he is three. God's way of being is to be Father, Son, and Holy Spirit simultaneously from all eternity, perfectly complete in a triune fellowship of love. So the Bible shows us God in fellowship. Fellowship is not something he loves. It's something he is. It's something he is. Um, so just, just think about this with me. It's hard to think about, but 
God has been forever glorifying. That is just being happy in, delighting in on an infinite, we can't even explain it. We look at galaxies and go, how is all that? Like that's just a, an explosion of this being for, there's no time, but this inner life of God infinitely and eternally pouring out adoration, love into the other. Uh, Alvin Plantinga, was a, he's a philosopher, so he thinks about these things very deeply. He says, in Christianity, God is not an impersonable thing or, nor a static thing, not even just one person, but a dynamic, pulsating activity, a life, a kind of drama almost. If you will not think me irreverent, a kind of dance. The pattern of this three personal life is the great fountain of energy and beauty spurting up at the very center of reality. Now, here's what's amazing. I was thinking about this this week on on this topic of fellowship. God didn't need to make a world. There's no intrinsic need in himself. He is is in himself, if this is his being, completely happy, self-sufficient in the enjoyment of being Trinity. It would be wrong or even blasphemous to say God created because he was lonely, unfulfilled, or bored. He's totally free from any kind of dependence. So why? Why does, why? Why would God, a God like this, perfectly happy, create a world of beings like us? Jesus in his prayers gives us the most intimate hints and, and he prays that they may have life in me and I in you. He prays that the Trinity door would be opened. That God would slowly come closer and closer to open the door of that fellowship. Jonathan Edwards, he was one of the greatest theologians uh, that everyone has to try to say, figure out what he's saying all the time. But here's what one uh, uh, historian says about Edwards, summarizing Edwards. He says this, quote, why would such an infinitely good, perfect, and eternal being create? The ultimate reason that God creates, said Edwards, is not to remedy some lack in God, but to extend that perfect internal communication of the triune God's goodness and love God's joy and happiness and delight in divine perfections is expressed externally by communicating that happiness and delight to created beings. He goes on, the universe is an explosion of God's glory. Perfect goodness, beauty, and love radiate from God and draw creatures to every increasingly share in the Godhead's joy and delight. The ultimate end of creation then is union in love love between God and loving creatures. God did not create us to get cosmic infinite joy of mutual love and glorification. He already had it. He created us to share it. Fellowship didn't exist till that happened. And he shares it. I, rem- I, uh, <clears throat> I sometimes read things where I'm like, oh, that's cool. And I'm like, that should be way cooler in your heart. So what I'll do <clears throat> is I'll go for like a walk or something. I'll try to meditate on it. And so I did that 
I was on like on first in like Chesterfield and this, this is not going anywhere. Just so you know, like don't, don't be like, where's it going? Nowhere. Um, <clears throat> but I, here's what I did. I, I, would like, I would like touch a flower or like a bush or something. And I'd be like, the, the one who made this shared that kind of felt. And like people walking by are like, I'm like trying to do the gladiator thing, just touching. <laughs> and you know how like some people look, some people, oh, I know I'm gonna be careful. Some people who maybe enjoy being a little strange, even that guy thought I was weird. Like <laughs> he was just like, I thought I was setting myself up today. <laughs> nope. But, but, but you need to do this. My point is you need to do this as a Christian. I mean, just, just think for half a day, maybe when you're breathing in air and, and that he would extend fellowship. Now hold that thought. Um, and I want you to even do another thought experiment with me. God was not also required to redeem us after we sinned, okay? Sin is ultimately ignoring God, disobeying God in our hearts, our attitudes, our actions. It's, it's devaluing God, it's hurting others. And like any wrong action requires righteous response, eternal judgment, um, hell for me is no more confusing than jail, but, but stay with me. What if God had not redeemed his fallen creatures? Just do that thought experiment with me because God owes us nothing. God, didn't, God did not have to save us. There was no external necessity imposed on him, pressing him, the perfect nature and complete happiness in God would not have been compromised by the final failure of humanity. Like God did not save us to rescue himself from sadness over our plight. The, the Bible is crystal clear that he saved us freely out of an astounding abundance of his grace. It's just grace and mercy and love. So, so Susan Wesley, she was the mother of uh, Charles and John Wesley, early 1600s. Um, <clears throat> here's what she writes in her private journal I came across this week. She says this, consider the infinite boundless goodness of the ever blessed Trinity. So she writes that to herself. Adore the stupendous mystery of divine love that God the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost should all concur in the work of man's redemption. What but pure goodness could move or excite God who is perfect, essential blessedness that cannot possibly receive any accession or of perfection or happiness from his creatures. What I say but love but goodness, but infinite incomprehensible love and goodness could move in him to prove such a remedy for fatal lapse of sinful, unworthy creatures. See what kind of love the father that we should be called children of God. She goes on to say, he did not create, so neither did he redeem because he needed us, but loved us because he loved us. He would have mercy because he would have mercy. He would show compassion because he would show compassion. So our question is, who is our fellowship with? 
when you do a study on fellowship, this is what comes out the most. It's with God. Like our, our fellowship is with God. You have fellowship. Let me, let me read you some texts and let this just wash into your soul. Like, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. That in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and knowledge, even as a testament about Christ was confirmed among you so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son. You have fellowship with his son. God wants to have fellowship with you and he has it. You know how you'll get to heaven? Because Jesus will get you there guiltless because of the cross. And you fellowship, that's breathtaking. Our fellowship is with the son. Second Corinthians 13, 11. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God. And then here's our word again the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. You have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You've, the Trinity door is open. We are in with God forever. This is why it comes out. This is why they devoted themselves. There's something more greater than the good news and that something is God. The great good of the good news is God. You have fellowship with God the good news of Jesus dying and forgiving us and rescuing us from judgment for our rebellion is that God's opened up a dynamic triune life that we share in the fellowship. And, and, and you know, research has shown belonging, not personal freedom, not autonomy or self-esteem or even meaningful work or meaningful marriage or even meaningful kids is the most fundamental human need. It's, it's belonging. And this is the great foundation to the gospel. It's, it, this, is, this is doing this discipline is saying, I'm, I belong to God and to others. And this is my new fellowship. Um, and people often ask me, James, like, I hear you have a member's class. This is the member's promises. It's I'm gonna fellowship, I'm in. I'm gonna love with what God's loved me with. I'm gonna give, that's all this is. Being a member is saying, I'm gonna, I am going to be in fellowship with God and one another. Um, it, that's where you get biblical ideas of membership from the letters. The reason we, we say, by the way, if you're not in a community group, you're almost not in the church is because in community groups, what's going on is you have more mature and less mature and people all over in, of ages and groups and stages of life in the gospel who are in community, who are close, who are there to love and grow and bleed and pray and encourage and, and bring the truth and, and, and put Christ and, and your relationship with Christ as most important. 
And we need people who know the gospel more than us. We need people to, to come in and we need to praise God together. I don't know about you, but there's an opportunity for your soul by the spirit spark, sparking it in you um, for God to revive in our hearts this again. And, and, and I want you to have the faces next to you in, in your mind as I'm talking. I want you to have the people in your community groups where, where you're gonna start serving, who you wanna get to know. And, and we, we can get better at this. I always think we can get better at, at seeing those new people who come in and, and are coming in here. And I just wanna challenge some of you with a few things. One, I want you to find someone new every Sunday you don't know. I want you to find someone new that you don't know. And I want you to say hi. Like, a, like, you know, when, you, when like your brother brings his girlfriend, his new girlfriend to like the family Christmas and you're like, I don't know, should we say hi or no? Well, you should probably say hi because she's going to feel really awkward, right? This is your family. And, and some of us, we get into these kind of groups, but we don't let anyone go deeper. Look, you're not going to get this kind of fellowship on a Sunday morning in the theater. It's going to be really hard. We feel like there's a show that starts at 12.30. Have a good week. It's easy to run out of here. Some of you run out of here. Maybe this year, this month, you don't run out of here. Maybe you're the person who, who runs out of here and no one said hi to you. You stay and say hi. Like we have to come into this fellowship. When it comes to community groups, I called most of them, actually all of them, this week. And my, my first reaction to hearing their voice, and I made sure they knew this, was I'm so glad you're leading this year because what, for me, what's more important than having community groups is having the right people. And you love people to get them to Christ. That's community. That's fellowship. By the way, if you go back to uh, Acts, go back to Acts. Um, there, there, there's a really unique thing, and we'll close here, that it says the church did all the time, Okay. And we're going to do it. It says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad hearts and, and sincere hearts. And then it says this, praising God. This is what, this is, this is our third point. This is how we experience fellowship. When they opened their Bibles, they praised, they were praising God. Worship was the dynamite in this new community. That's, this is, by the way, what makes the church different than cyclist groups or when like the like, liberals get together or mom's groups or, I don't know, poker nights. This, this is what makes it different. They, they, when they got together, they were praising God. They were praising him. That's what they were doing when they were loving each other. It's what they were doing when they were learning. They were worshiping. Um, praising God is the engine of fellowship. It's, it's what it's at the, it's what you breathe in when you walk into a community group. It's, it's, it's they, they don't just say things, they worship God. Um, C.S. Lewis, we mention this all the time because it's so good. He, he writes this, I think we delight to praise, which is so true, what we enjoy because the praise is not, mere, not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is, it's a pointed consummation. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight 
is incomplete till it's expressed. Lewis is saying there's something when, there's something about the beautiful thing that makes you just want to grab people and go, you got to look at this. You got to see this. Did you see the sunset today? Did you see the beauty? Like when we got clear skies and you could finally see across the smoke in Algon Lake, um, I brought my kids out because they get iPads in the morning. So they're coming out with the iPads. And I'm like, oh, you guys are lake. You can see the other side. And they, obviously their reaction is like, oh, cool, more land. Like, but I was so pumped because I could see it and it was beautiful. And that's Christians, that's fellowship. It's, it's, we go, look at that. We see the beauty of God every week and we're here and we're going, oh, this is so good. Okay, it's, it's, it's how we do it. So how do we comfort each other? We don't just say, you know, they're there. No, no, we, we praise the one who was broken for you. We praise the one. And we go, you can hold on to his promises. You can text your friends in the morning and say, I'm believing God for you. You may not see how he's working, but he's holding your hand. We praise the one when we comfort. Um, how do we heal people who are guilty? We, by praising the mercy of God or the holiness of God. Jesus lived this life for you. He's your true righteousness before the Father. And, and if you're bitter against another Christian right now, you have to be devoted to fellowship. So how do you do that? You praise the broken Lord. You have to praise the broken Lord. It's, you gotta get rid of your bitterness. It's inconsistent with the brokenness of the Lord. Right, some of you may be being different. You look around at the church and you go, these are my peeps, these aren't my peeps. Mm -mm. You can't praise the sacrifice of Christ and wanna say these are my peeps or these are not my peeps or try to take someone's head off. You can't praise his dying for you and being different to other people at the same time. We, we worship, we praise. This is, you know, why Colossians 3 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. Let, let me ask you this, what would this look like in your life? If when you got together with other believers, you were praising God, this is God broken for you. I mean, this is, this is why we do communion every week. We, we're praising God together. We're remembering this is him broken for you. He loves you. He's forgiven you. He's our righteousness. He's why you don't, you need to repent of that sin. And maybe you met with someone earlier that week and you've called them on some things because you, you just were in proximity Maybe grab them by the hand. You take communion together. This is him broken for you. You're forgiven. He wants to change your life. This is, this is the church. We have fellowship with one. We break bread together. I'm really excited for community groups. You can see them all on the web. The signups, we just took some pictures this morning. We have a leadership training with them this Saturday and we're, we're rolling. But I just encourage you, if you're not in a small group, community group, that... Make that a priority. Find one that works. And, and we know life's very busy, but we are, our commitment is to be, be the church. 
So this is spiritual disciplines. Let me pray. Father, we join really the early church very quickly with needing this glorious new family you made, a really messy family that you're redeeming. And you redeem it in community with your word, with praise at its joy and center. And yet we join with the early church because in every one of these letters, they're just written churches in conflict or in arguments or in sin. And it's going back to the grace of God. It's constantly bringing people back to the gospel of Christ who died for you, of you've so deserted from the truth or you. And this is what we should expect until we go to heaven. But give us joy in it. It can be tiresome. Some of us are just, we're tired of, uh, maybe, maybe we will call it um, Christian drama, but, but we ought not to be. We are to, to look past our own noses and see Christ. And we can't love others without seeing how much we've been loved by you. So I pray in an astounding way as we sing these songs and hymns and spiritual songs together and we break bread together, that you would ignite a new passion in us to have fellowship with one another. That can only happen by your Holy Spirit. So I pray it would in Jesus name. Amen.